0: Week by week, from the pick of new material, from the pages of best selling novels, from the theater of Broadway and London, and the sound stages of Hollywood, will parade the most remarkable figures ever known. CBS gives you. Suspense.
1: The two-fisted, quick-triggered marksman who shoots from the hip and
2: never misses. Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of Suspense. We actually have two episodes today. We usually have three, but we're missing one of them, so we only have two for you, but there are two really good episodes, so I think it's going to be all right. The first one stars Gloria Swanson, and Gloria Swanson is famous for being in a lot of silent films. She started her first silent film was in 1914, and she was in silent films all throughout the 20s. Very prolific. And then she um, went into television. When television first started to come on the scene, she had the very first live television show in 1948, where she would just talk to some of her friends and things. Uh, She continued to be on television for many years. Um, At the same time frame, uh, she was asked to be in Sunset Boulevard, and she played Norma Desmond in Sunset Boulevard, and that's her most famous role of all her parts. Later on, she would be in a few more movies, her last movie being Airport 75, where she portrayed herself and she unfortunately passed away in 1983 but what a amazing career to think that when she was in Sunset Boulevard and it was considered a uh, her looking back on her career norma desmond looking back on her career she was only 51 years old at the time and when she was in her first film when she was in 1914 she would have been 15 years old so Just a really interesting life she led. And one of the interesting things she did was appear on suspense, and we have that suspense episode for us today. Following that suspense episode, we jump ahead to 1962. And in the 1962 episode, there's going to be a couple on the road that are terrorized by someone else on the road trying to run them off the road. Very reminiscent of of Duel, which was Steven Spielberg's first film featuring Dennis Weaver of Gunsmoke fame, Gunsmoke television fame anyway, and I think it'll be interesting to see how similar this is to Duel. Anyway, I guess let's get on with the show. I hope you enjoy our episodes of Suspense and enjoy spending a little bit of time with Gloria Swanson.
0: In hotels, restaurants, and homes of distinction, wherever hospitality is a gracious art, the best serve C-R-E-S-T-A, B-L-A-N-C-A, Cresta, Blanca, Cresta Blanca, Yes, the famous name of Cresta Blanca is a symbol of good taste wherever distinguished people gather. When you serve superb Cresta Blanca California wines, you pay guests the truest compliment a host can offer. Distinguish your dinner table by serving Cresta Blanca Burgundy or Cresta Blanca Sauterne, yours to enjoy for gracious dining. Shenley's Cresta Blanca Wine Company, Livermore, California. And now, Shenley brings you Gloria Swanson as star in radio's outstanding theater of thrills... Suspense! Presented by Roma. That's
1: R-O-M-A. Roma Wines, for your everyday pleasure. Tonight, Roma Wines of Fresno, California, bring you Gloria Swanson in Murder by the Book, a suspense play produced, edited, and directed for Shenley by William Spear for... Suspense! suspense.
3: I must have been asleep. At first I thought it was one of those dreams. And then I realized the phone was really ringing. I seemed to remember. It had rung before and I hadn't answered it. But maybe it had been only this once. Ringing a long time. Because just as I got there, it stopped. Hello? Hello? I suppose I'd had one of my spells. I never could remember very well just after them but I know i have been working or trying to. It was my latest and I thought it would be my best. It was about a woman who kills her husband, but I'd had all kinds of trouble with the end. Everything was all right up until the explanation, how she did it. I knew of course, but somehow I just couldn't write it. It, it wouldn't gel. It had been going on like that for some weeks. Then today I, I must have had another spell. i have been having them ever since the accident ever since Ned was drowned. They'd begin with headaches. It would get worse and worse, and I'd lie down. And when I'd wake up, I wouldn't remember for a while. Sometimes when I woke up, I wouldn't even be in the same place. Instead of lying on the couch or on my bed, I'd, I'd be sitting up in a chair or at my typewriter. Once I even found myself sitting in a car out in the garage. It was a strain of everything, of course. That's why I'd started going to Dr. Winter And now it seemed as though my poor nerves were faded, one shock after another, because now, Dr. Winter was dead. You see, he'd been murdered. Yes? Emily? Yes? Uh,
4: This is Harry, Harry Bailey. Where have you been?
3: Why, I've been right here, Harry.
4: Well, why don't you answer your phone? I've been trying to get you all afternoon. Oh,
3: I, I must have been asleep.
4: Oh, well,
3: how's the book coming? Oh, not very well, I'm afraid, Harry.
4: Still stale?
3: I guess so. I'm awfully sorry, Harry. I, I know I promised it to you weeks ago, but... Oh, forget it.
4: Those things happen. Listen, Emily, I've got a great little proposition for you. It'll make you some money, it'll get your mind off the book for a while, and it'll be worth a million dollars' worth of publicity for
5: us. (laughs) Oh, what's the catch?
4: Well, I was talking to young Hayes. He practically runs the old man's newspaper chain for him now, you know. And he wants you to cover the winter case for the whole syndicate.
3: Oh, Now, uh,
4: wait a minute, before you make any snap judgments. In all the time I've been your publisher, I've never given you a bump steer yet, have I?
3: But, Harry, I'm not a
5: reporter. That's
4: just it. You write it from your point of view. The way it looks to the country's foremost woman detective story writer. The clues, the evidence, how it all fits together. Truth is stranger than fiction and so on. You see what I mean?
3: Well, uh, oh, I don't know. You see, I was, as, I was a patient of his, Harry. All right,
4: all the better. Famous man murdered in small resort town. Just so happens famous woman mystery writer lived in same small town. Even was murdered man's patient. <laughs> Knows everybody by their first names and so forth and so on. Emily, this will put your name in headlines in every city in the country. I
3: know, that's the trouble. You see, well, what will Cora say?
4: Well, why? What's it to Cora?
3: Well, I'll grant you she may have had a slightly exaggerated idea of his importance, but after all, she was his man Friday for the past year. And now to have her own mother... Mm, Stepmother, anyway Writing it all up in the papers And making capital out of it Don't
4: be silly, Emily Somebody's got to write it And you'll do it with sympathy And honesty and understanding What's the greatest thing that could happen As far as getting a fair break in the papers is concerned And it's a chance in a lifetime for you, Emily No kidding
3: Oh, I'd like to uh, As I say Mm. All right, Harry, I'll do it
4: Have a girl Now listen, I'll have Hayes draw up the contracts right away
3: Anything you say, Harry. Swell.
4: well. I'll be in touch. Right now.
3: Good night, Harry.
5: Hello, Mother.
3: Hello, darling. Who was that? Harry Bailey. He wants me to cover the winter case with the Hayes syndicate. He what? I told him I would.
5: Oh, Mother. Oh, Mother, how could you? Why not, Cora? Because... Because it's bad enough that he's dead without dragging it through the papers all over again. But it will be in the papers anyway, darling. And as Harry says, at least I can give it sympathy and understanding. Sympathy and understanding. Why, Cora. Please, Mother, please don't do it. Stay out of it. We'll only get more heartaches out of it, that's all. Why, Cora, why, you almost sound as though you were afraid. Are you afraid of anything? Afraid? All right, then, maybe I am. Maybe that's just what I am. Afraid. I had never
3: really understood Cora. She was Ned's child, not mine. I was only her stepmother. Not that we weren't the best of friends, but she'd always been a little strange. More like her mother, I imagine. And then the shock of losing Ned, and, and this on top of it. There were times when she seemed almost in a daze. It was hard to blame her. The next day, Harry phoned to say the contracts were all in order and I was to report to Lieutenant Hahn of the Homicide Bureau who would permit me to interview the girl they were holding for the murder and, in general, act as my guide, philosopher, and friend. But upon appearing at his office, I found a gentleman with his hat on his head and his feet on his desk who didn't bother to remove either and uh, merely stared at
1: me. Something?
3: I'm Emily Carlisle. Uh, I was told to report to you. You're Lieutenant Hahn?
1: Uh-huh.
3: I was told that you w- would sort of, uh, show me the ropes.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, I deduce from your attitude that you are not particularly pleased by the prospect.
1: I cannot tell a lie. You deduce right.
3: Well, isn't this nice? We're not going to get along.
1: Oh, I wouldn't say that, Miss Carlisle, or is it, Mrs.?
3: Miss, my married name is, uh, Wales. I was married to Ned Wales, you know.
1: Ah.
3: Suppose we clear the air a little, Lieutenant... I take it the barrier between us is the old one of professional versus amateur. Dealer in fact versus dealer in fiction. And uh, you disapprove of uh, fiction? No,
1: I got nothing against detective stories or detective story writers. I even read them myself once in a while. For laughs.
3: Well, that is encouraging. Uh, What? To find that you can not only read, but laugh. (laughs) Okay. Then uh, just what is the difficulty, Lieutenant.
1: I don't like to see people tried in the newspapers.
3: I have no intention of trying this girl. Uh, what's her
1: name? Claire Ogilvy.
3: I have no intention of trying her. All I want to do is present the facts. Tell the story.
1: Uh-huh. Well, I guess you want to see her, don't you?
3: Among other things, yes. Unless, of course, you have something better to do. Oh, no,
1: no. You're on my assignment from now on. I'm in the doghouse.
3: Well, I can think of uh, less appropriate places.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> Why? Uh, this is a big case. National sensation, special prosecutors, hullabaloo in the papers, special feature writers like you. Yeah. And I'm in a minority of one around here, so nobody likes me. Stop being cryptic, Lieutenant. Uh, what are you driving at? They've got a big thing on their hands and they want a conviction. I don't agree. About what? About the girl. You see, uh, I think she's innocent. <laughs>
3: interesting. The girl was even more interesting. She was about 25, a pretty girl, and she was lying on her bunk in the cell, staring up at the one dim light in the ceiling. She didn't even look around when I came in.
1: This is Miss Emily Carlisle, the writer, Claire. She wants to talk to you. I'll be back after a while, Miss Carlyle. Go away.
6: Leave me alone.
3: I can't, Claire. I have a job to do.
6: That makes you different, I suppose. No, but I still have a job to do. That's what they all say. They've got a job to do on me. Who's
3: trying to do a job on you, Claire?
6: A lot of smart people who make their living at it, like you. You
3: mean that uh, they're trying to say that you killed him and uh, you didn't? I loved him, you fool. Why would I kill him? Why would I kill him? Why did you confess to killing him?
6: He was dead, wasn't he? What difference did it make? That's what they wanted me to say, so what difference did it make? Then you
3: didn't kill him.
6: All right, I killed him. That's what you want me to say, too. All right, I killed him.
3: I don't want you to say anything, dear. I just want to know what happened.
6: He was killed, murdered. That's what happened. They they say you quarreled with him. I dug my nails into him. I wanted to hurt him. There was blood on my dress, and so I burned it, and they found that. And then, when I heard what had happened, I ran away, and they found me. Oh, they've got everything fixed just fine. I had a job to do, that's all, and they did it. And the sooner they get it over with, the better, and then everybody will be happy. Maybe even me. Why did you quarrel with him? Have you ever been in love with some man, and then one fine day you found out you were just the last of a long list of other women? Have you? Have you? Yes.
3: As a matter of fact, I, I have.
6: Oh. Well, then you know why I quarreled with him. Yes. All right, then, and I'll tell you something else, too. I didn't kill him, but now I wish I had. Do you hear me? I wish I had! <laughs>
1: I suppose she told you she killed him and you believed it.
3: First she said she had killed him, and then she said she hadn't.
1: You didn't answer the second part.
3: She indicated you have certain evidence.
1: Okay. Come in here. The, uh, D.A.'s got the original sample, but pictures should give you a rough idea. Uh, what's that? piece of a dress that was found under the bed. They match it to the dress she burned, though, more or less. Uh,
3: and, uh, uh, what's that plaster thing?
1: Cast of tire marks. Did you read Dick Tracy? Oh,
3: I've used plaster casts of tire marks myself in my books. But, uh, uh, you know, they, they look a little vague. They are. Uh, you know something, Lieutenant? I'm inclined to agree with you. About what? About the girl. I think she is innocent.
1: Oh. So you can write it from the who Dennett angle,
3: huh? Bless us, Farody, Lieutenant, if you please. And a little more attention to detail. Uh, by the way... Why is everyone so anxious to believe this particular girl did it?
1: Because they think they can make it stick. Why look further? Because it's good for them. They make their reputations that way, just like your boss makes circulation.
3: Let's face it. You and I know what Dr. Winter was like. There must be a dozen girls in this town who have just as much reason for killing him as this one.
1: what I said.
3: As for the confession, she's obviously an hysteric. Any good alienist could break that down. Oh,
1: I said that too.
3: And as for this stuff, I don't know much about tires, but... This dress pattern is as common as a cotton handkerchief. There must be 50 of them within a mile of where we're standing right now.
1: Same goes for the tires. I've told them all that.
3: Then there must be something wrong with your methods, Lieutenant. Now, what do we deduce from all this?
1: I'll tell you what I deduce. What? There's a woman who's killed a man in this town. A murderess. A murderess that's still on the loose. For Suspense, Roma Wines are bringing you Gloria Swanson in Murder by the Book. Roma Wines' presentation tonight in Radio's Outstanding Theater of Thrills, Suspense.
0: Suspense, Radio's Outstanding Theater of Thrills, is presented by Roma. That's R-O-M-A, Roma Wines. Those better-tasting wines from the world's largest reserves of fine wines. Vacation time is in full swing, and that means more time for baseball, tennis, golf, fishing, gardening. Whatever form of recreation you choose, here's a delightful way to cool off and refresh yourself. Just serve a tall, cool Roma wine and soda. Half-filled glasses with robust Roma California Burgundy, delicate Roma Sauternes, or any Roma wine. Fill up with ice and soda, sweeten to taste, then sip and be surprised. You'll agree with everybody that refreshingly delicious Roma Wine and Soda really is a treat that beats the heat. Treat your family to Roma Wine and Soda tomorrow. Serve Roma Wine and Soda whenever guests drop in, and all summer long. And for better taste, be sure you use America's favorite wine, Roma Wine, R-O-M-A, Roma Wine.
1: And now, Roma Wines bring back to our New York soundstage Gloria Swanson as Emily Carlisle. In Murder by the Book... A tale well calculated to keep you in... Suspense.
3: At first I was quite excited about the whole thing... About covering a murder case, I mean. It was good for me. It took my mind off myself. The book I should have been finishing and couldn't. And uh, poor Ned being drowned last summer... That had been more of a strain than even I realized. I knew that now. Not that I wasn't terribly fond of Ned, but we hadn't been as close as we once were. But it had been a shock. That's why I'd been going to Dr. Winter myself. It as much as told me that the spells I had were, were a direct result of what happened to Ned. Oh, it shows you how tiny and yet how strange our little world can be here. Here I was writing up the case of Dr. Winter's murder for the newspapers. Of course, right away I discovered that the evidence against the girl they were holding was all circumstantial. And Lieutenant Hahn got me prints of the pictures. The piece from the dress they said she was wearing and, and attire marks. And uh, I, I went out to do a little checking of my own. First I went to Gorman's department store. Actually, it's the only real store for women's things in town.
7: Well, 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 Miss Carlyle, long time no see, eh? <laughs> uh, what can I do for you?
3: I was wondering if uh, you could identify a dress for me. A certain dress?
7: A dress? Why, sure, what kind of a dress you have mine?
3: mind. No, I don't want to buy one. I just want to find out about one. A, a particular dress, this dress that this picture was taken of. That's only a piece of it, of course.
7: Oh, oh. Oh, that?
3: Yes. You've uh, sold quite a few of them, uh, haven't you?
7: Uh, 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 say, I hear you're going to write up this winter case for the papers. Is that right, Miss Carlyle?
3: Why, yes, I am. As a matter of fact, this dress...
7: Uh, oh, I, I know this dress all right. We've had them last spring. Sold like hotcakes. Four dozen of
3: them. Uh, did you keep any record of uh, who, sold, uh, who you sold them to? Could I get a list?
7: No, no. No complete record. Mostly cash sales, you know. Made up a partial list. That's all a partial list.
3: Well, that's what I want. That's better than nothing.
7: Going into competition with the police department No,
3: huh? No, I'm trying to help them, Mr. Gorman. Uh, If you'll give me... You
7: better see them about that yourself, then. (laughs) Lieutenant Hahn. Gave him the list three weeks ago. You better see him.
3: Oh, I didn't know he had one. He never told me.
7: Cops don't always tell everything they know, eh?
3: <laughs>
7: uh, you go see Lieutenant Hahn. He's the man you want to see, Lieutenant Hahn.
3: I felt a little silly. Why hadn't he told me? But then, of course, I had never asked him. My next stop was Morton's big service station on the corner of North and Main. They did practically all the tire business in town.
8: I do, Miss Carlisle. Fill it up?
3: Why, uh, yes, uh, I guess so. Oh, uh, but I wanted to ask you something. Sure,
8: Miss Carlisle. What is it?
3: Well, uh, you see this thing? Mm -hmm. It's the imprint of an auto tire, and I wonder... Oh,
8: from the winter case, huh? The cops was already in here. I heard you was working on the case, Miss Carlisle.
3: In a way. And I was trying to find out about this tire, I mean... Well, that uh...
8: tire, ma'am, that's a 616 Goodstone. It's pretty new, too. You can see from this middle tread here, you see. I don't see how anybody could prove much by this here.
3: Uh, do you sell many of these? Uh, what did you call them?
8: 616 Goodstone. Oh, yeah, plenty. That's what I mean. I don't see how you could prove much without their tire. You find them on all kind of cars.
3: I know, but... Look the... here, you got them on
8: your old car, Miss Carlisle. Same kind, 616 Goodstone. Almost new, too. You see what I mean?
3: Oh, yes. Yeah, I see. It.
8: Yeah, plenty of them kind of tires around. Hey, you want that tank of gas now, Miss Carlisle?
3: No. No, thank you. Never mind It's funny how you never notice things Like tires, if you're a woman anyway Then it always handled things like that And then afterwards, Cora had done it Cora And of course, as a boy had said There were hundreds of tires like it Hundreds Cora wasn't home yet And I wandered around the house and tried to think But I didn't get very far I was afraid one of my headaches was coming on. I decided to try and write my first article. But when I sat down at the typewriter, I remembered I hadn't put the cover over it the last time and it was all dusty. I went to the room closet and rummaged around in the basket we keep there for old rags. I just started to dust off the typewriter. When I noticed it, it was the rag I held in my hand. It wasn't just an ordinary rag. It was a piece of a dress. And it wasn't just an ordinary dress. It had a cute little red and white print pattern. The kind of a dress the police said was worn by the woman who had murdered Dr. Winter. It was then I heard Cora coming in. Instinctively, I thrust the rag it was in my hand into the desk.
5: Mother, you home? Oh, hello, darling. Been shopping? Just a few odds and ends. What have you been doing? Oh, a little of this... A little of that. Mm-hmm. Um, Cora, what about the car? Won't we, uh, be needing new tires pretty soon? Well, now I had new ones put on all round only a little while ago, you remember. Uh, I'd forgotten. When was that? Oh, six weeks ago, anyway. Then it was before? Before what? The, the murder. Will you stop it? Do you have to go through with this thing, Mother? I think it's better for me to write it than some stranger, don't you? If you wish. But it's so different
3: from what happens in stories. For instance, I can't even remember what we were doing the night. The night it happened. Can you?
5: We were home. Are you sure? Don't you remember?
3: It's... isn't it silly?
5: You had one of your headaches. I was in my room. You were in yours. Then I was asleep all evening. I suppose you were. But
3: you don't know. You weren't with me. What a pity. How I'll start
5: supper. Oh, Cora. Yes?
3: Whatever happened to that old print dress? It was yours, I think.
5: What print dress?
3: You know, with a red and white flowered print. You did have one like that, didn't you?
5: I haven't seen it for quite a while. But it couldn't have just disappeared. The last time I saw it, you had it. And then I don't know what happened to it. I had it? Don't you remember? No. Would, uh... Would this be it, Cora? Oh. So this has all been a cross-examination, has it? There were certain things I had to know, Cora. Well, I won't stand for it, do you hear? You can do anything you like about yourself, but I won't let you drag me into it. I won't. You were in love with him, too, weren't you, Cora?
6: <laughs> yes. Yes. Now are you satisfied? Yes, I was in love with him. I was in love with him. <laughs>
3: When I woke up, the sun was shining and I was lying on the bed in Cora's room and Cora was gone. I made some coffee and then I went down to see Lieutenant Hahn.
1: What's the matter, Miss Carlisle? You look sort of played out.
3: Uh, I had rather a restless night. I, I've been thinking about this thing, Lieutenant. Uh, I've uh, I've been thinking about it a lot.
1: You've been doing a little checking up, I oh. hear. Uh,
3: yes, Lieutenant. Uh, why didn't you tell me you had that list about the dresses? Was it, uh... Because you knew that someone in my house had
1: bought one of those dresses? You're speaking of your stepdaughter, Cora Wales. Yes. We did know it, of course, but we knew the same thing about a couple of dozen other women. It didn't make much difference. Oh. Got any new ideas? Look, Lieutenant, I've been
3: writing a new book, or trying to, about a murder. A woman who kills her husband. I didn't know how to finish it. But now, look, it's all sort of mixed up in my mind, but... You know the old theory about a murderer will always return to the scene of the crime? I don't get it. I know. uh, Put it this way. If someone killed because the person they killed knew something, they'd have to kill anyone else who knew that same thing now, wouldn't they?
1: You still going on the theory the Ogilvy girl's innocent? I know she's innocent. You know? That's pretty strong talk, Miss Carlyle. Well, call it woman's
3: intuition. Call it whatever you like. I just know that there's someone...
1: Look, Miss Carlyle. Me, I had you wrong yesterday. I can see you're not kidding about this thing. Not that I pretend to know what you're talking about, but if you've really got something, you better tell Papa. No, no. You. I can't. You say you think somebody's going to come back to the scene of the crime.
3: I don't know. I, I, I don't know what I think. I, I just know that. Um... Look,
1: Miss Carlyle, I don't like it. You're upset and you're frightened. No. Uh, I want to help you.
3: No, no. I, I have to, uh, to do this my own way. Do what? I don't know. <laughs> oh, I
1: can not can't very well use a rubber hose to get it out of you. But I just want you to remember that whatever I do, it's part of my job. What?
3: What's part of your job? To see
1: that nobody else gets killed around here. Including you.
3: I could feel the headache coming on as I left his office. I almost ran to my car. All I could think of was that I had to get home before it happened but it was coming over me awfully fast, faster than it ever had before. The house was empty. I threw myself on the couch and pressed my hands over my eyes. The pain was horrible,
5: horrible.
3: And then suddenly I had the feeling that I wasn't alone, that someone was standing there, standing over me, someone I couldn't see, someone who was crushing my brain, squeezing my temples in a kind of terrible, invisible vice, someone who was trying to kill me. I was having a dream, another of those horrible dreams. I was dreaming that I'd gone upstairs to Cora's room and she was there packing her things. She didn't see me or hear me and I crept into the room very softly. It seemed as though I had a heavy poker or something in my hand. I crept up very softly behind her. I raised the poker and then she whirled around. She saw me. You knew it wasn't an accident, didn't you? You knew he didn't just drown. You knew I killed your father. I pushed him. And I went to and when I went to Dr. Winter, he found out too. Something buried in my subconscious, he said. And he made me tell him. He told you all that, didn't he? So now I'm going to have to kill you
5: too, Cora. I'm going to have to kill you. <coughs>
1: Miss Carlisle, all right. You better come along now.
3: I hear the doctors keep talking about schizophrenia. That's a double personality, you know. They seem to think I did all those things without even knowing it. Drowning Ned... Trying to kill Cora—that's what the spells were. They say the other personality, like Dr. Jacob and Mr. Hyde. But I wish I could talk to Dr. Winter. I went to him first about the spells. He said he could cure me if I told him the truth. Only, of course, I can't talk to him now.
7: He's dead.
3: I killed him.
1: In just a moment, we will hear from Gloria Swanson, tonight's star of Suspense.
0: Presented by Roma. That's R-O-M-A, Roma Wines, America's largest selling wines. Yes, more Americans enjoy Roma than any other wines. That's because Roma Wines taste better. Taste better because Roma selects and presses only the choicest California grapes. Then these natural juices are guided unhurriedly by Roma master vintners and winemaking resources unmatched in America to full-taste richness. These Roma wines are placed with mellow Roma wines of years before, and from these, the world's greatest wine reserves, Roma later selects for your pleasure. Treat your family and guests to the better taste of Roma California wines. For everyday use, or for friendly entertaining, serve Amber Roma Sherry, Ruby Roma Port, or Golden Roma Muscatel, Roma adds so much to your pleasure and yet now costs so little that you'll want to keep a supply of better-tasting Roma wines on hand. Remember to ask for Roma Wines, America's largest selling wines.
3: This is Gloria Swanson. It was a great pleasure to appear on tonight's broadcast of Suspense. Next week, Suspense will originate from Hollywood when Roma Wines will bring you Vincent Price. Good night.
1: Tonight's suspense play was written by Robert L. Richards. Next Thursday, same time, you will hear Mr. Vincent Price as star of Suspense, produced for Shenley by William Spear. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
0: Well calculated to keep you in suspense.
9: You nearly ready, honey? Darling, it takes time to put on lipstick properly. Well, I'm sure the natives will
10: love you as you are.
9: What natives? Where are we, Charlie?
10: You mean to sit there making up that utterly provocative lower lip after we arrive at the biggest motel in the only town on 150 miles of desert highway and not know where we are? Well,
9: I suppose I could find some postcards or envelopes in one of these drawers. Nah, you just stick with the decorating. I'll fill you in from this folder. Mm, see, this is the Beat Tannican...
10: The Tatican Motel is located on the outskirts of Red Mountain, Arizona.
9: So that's where we are.
10: That's where we are. Red Mountain, Arizona is 485 miles east of Los Angeles. What's more, the temperature is now 20 degrees. It's expected to drop to five below tonight with snow before morning.
9: Well, now it doesn't say that in the folder. No,
10: the manager told me that when we registered.
9: Five below? Huh? I've never been where it got that cold.
10: Now, uh, you California gals, all you've got going for you there is climate. You never have weather.
9: I'm sorry I failed you so early in well, our marriage.
10: Better to know the worst right away. Well, come on, let's let's eat.
9: I'm ready. Now, how do I look?
10: Ah, you look fine to me. But the Indians may think white men go on warpath again. Huh? Mm-hmm. Whites
9: wall, wear heap much war paint. Funny man. <laughs> got the key. I got it. Let's go. It's cold. 20
10: degrees and dropping. Hey, be careful. There's there's ice there. Oh. Here, hang on to me. Uh What's that? It's a train. That's what it is. Look. Over there. Across the road.
9: A train? Out here in the middle of nowhere?
10: Sure. It's the main line from L.A. to Chicago. Runs alongside the highway out here for hundreds of miles.
9: Look at them eating dinner in that dining car. I'll bet they're nice and warm. Want to change places? Uh -uh. Uh-uh. Oh, they look so safe. I don't want to be safe. I want adventure. Mm.
10: You picked a great place for it. Red Mountain. The hotspot of northern Arizona. Just look at it. One main street and 52 motels, 87 gas stations, and
9: six restaurants featuring chill mac and canned soup.
10: Yeah, the manager shills for the Kachina doll down toward the center of town.
9: Watch out for that little truck, Charlie.
10: I see him. He's, he's far enough away, I think. Oh, that's so and so. That's what it is. Uh, I don't know. He, he waited till I pulled out in front of him and then he'd let me have his bright lights. He nearly blinded me in the rear vision mirror.
9: Oh, maybe he's signaling he wants to pass. i let him. Oh, that's it. He, he's blowing his horn. There
10: he goes. He's been in an awful hurry.
9: Oh, look out. He's putting on his brakes.
10: He, I nearly piled into him.
9: He's drunk, that's what.
10: Or oh, crazy. Well, now he's slowed down to 20. Well, I'll have to pass him. We won't let you. This is this? I speed up, he speeds up. Well,
9: let him go then, Charlie. It's
10: a, it's a good thing nobody was coming toward us.
9: Well, watch out, he's slowing down again.
10: 15.
9: Do you suppose he's doing that on purpose? No, I don't know. Hey, hey, come on, get going. I'm
10: going to have to try it again. won't
9: let me buy. He is doing it on purpose. Well, there's the restaurant, the Kachina Doll. Where? Over there. There on the left.
10: Well, there's one way of losing our comedian. I'll just peel off to the left and let him have the highway to himself.
9: He doesn't seem to want the highway, Charlie. Hmm? Look, Look up the road. He's turning into that gas station. He's coming back.
10: I'll let him. Come on, let's eat.
9: Charlie, you better lock the car. Why? Him.
10: There's nothing for anybody to take.
9: I'd feel better if you locked it.
10: Oh, all right.
9: Look. Look, he's cruising by, looking us over like he was a cop and we did something.
10: Yeah, maybe he is. It occurred to me when he first swung in front of us.
9: Well, he isn't in uniform.
10: Well, there, the car's all locked. Let's go.
9: Charlie, down the road, he's turning around again. What's the matter
10: with him? whatever it is, it's his problem. Let's eat. We're not too late for dinner, are we?
9: Oh no, we can take care of you. Right this way, please. Oh. <sighs> well, here's a nice booth for two. Good. Care for a little drink? Oh.
10: Well, uh, well, no, I don't think we do. Uh, I'm pretty hungry. Let's just have some food because uh, we're starved. Let's see the menu.
9: Okay, coming right up. Charlie. What? The driver of that pickup truck. He just came in.
10: So. It's a public place.
9: But he's coming over here. Let him. Hey, you. Don't pay any attention to him. Hey, you.
10: Were you speaking to me? That blue uh, 61 Chevy outside, that belonged to you. It does? Well, I want to talk to you. What's on your mind?
9: Outside. Charlie, don't
10: go. I said, what's on your mind? Now, look, Bud, I don't like people cutting in front of me. You mean when I drove out of the motel? Yeah, that's what I mean. Well, I'm sorry about that. I didn't realize you were coming on so fast. Yeah, well, I could have killed you. I could have run you down and killed you. Yes, you could. It was stupid of me not to realize the danger I was in. Yeah, getting. well, I don't like people doing things like well, that. I will not blame you. And believe me, it won't happen again. Yeah, better not. Because the next time, brother, I, I, I'll kill you. Yeah, I'm sure you will. Yeah, I'll kill you next time. I'll remember that. Yeah, you do that. I, 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 don't, I don't like that kind of jazz. And I don't blame you. Yeah, well, uh... Well, I I accept your apology, and... Only you you remember the next time. I remember. Next time, you'll kill me. Yeah. And, and, and...
9: uh, Don't you forget it!
10: Believe me, I won't.
9: He was drunk, Charlie. At least. I could smell it all the way across the table.
10: Well, that's why I agreed with him.
9: You were wonderful.
10: Uh, I was afraid you'd think I was chicken. Oh, no. There's no point arguing when they're that far gone. No wonder he drove the way he did.
9: I'm proud of you. You left him with nowhere to go but out. Hey, did he give you any troubles No, not really. But he might have. He might have killed us out there on the road. Oh, Leroy don't mean no harm. You know him? Ah, sure. Everybody knows Leroy. He talks rough, but (laughs) he don't mean no harm. Well... You folks decided?
10: I'm not very hungry now. Oh, but you must eat something,
9: hon. You you order for me. <laughs> Gracious, I've, I'm afraid I've lost my appetite, too. Fried pork chops is nice tonight with flour gravy. Uh, no, I think not. Uh, have you any soup? Oh, yes, ma'am. Uh, vegetable, tomato, green peas. In uh... cans? Well, as a matter of fact, yes. Good. Good, I would prefer it that way. You do? Yes. If yes, then the cook can't get at it. Huh? We'll have vegetable soup. Well, okay. Two vegetable soup. And what else? That's all. Yes, ma'am. And listen, don't let Leroy upset you. He's just a big kid. That's all. Oh, who put that on? Another
10: folk song. Charlie. Hmm.
9: Are you sure you locked the car? I'm sure. Maybe you better go look. Why? I don't know. Maybe he's done something. Oh, broken a window, slit a tire, I don't know.
10: Well, I was thinking the same thing. Okay, I'll
9: go look. But be careful. I'm thinking, I think we ought to report him to the police mm, Maybe We could have been killed, you know If anybody had been coming the other way When he wouldn't let us past him We'd have been killed I know If he tried the same thing on somebody else And they were hurt Or worse I'd never forgive myself Well, here we are, folks Two vegetables, soup. There Say, are you sure you don't want to try the fried pork chops? Uh, quite sure, thank you
10: Yes can you call the police for me?
9: The police? What for?
10: I ask you. Now, can you call, call them for me?
9: Now, look, if it's on account of Leroy, well, I wouldn't do that if I was you. Well,
10: you're not me, are you? No.
9: Well, I'll call them if you say so, but, you know, I'm kind of glad I'm not you.
10: What kind of a crack is that?
9: Leroy. Huh? You don't bother me. Yes, officer, I wrote down the license number,
10: 880. 008. Yes. That's right, officer. It was an international harvester pickup. Painted red and shiny. That's Leroy, all right.
9: That's his horn.
10: No, lady, that ain't Leroy. That's the Orange Empire Express. Goes through here every night at 942. Oh...
9: Well, anyway, this Leroy was drunk. Mm-hmm, more than likely.
11: Mm, he's
10: driving in a fog. And you want me to arrest him? Well, don't you think you should before he causes an accident or hurts or kills somebody? Oh, that ain't likely. Well, how do you know? I know Leroy. Well, look, I know my rights. I hope you know your duty. I want you to swear out a warrant for the arrest of this Leroy. I want you to go out and pick him up and put him in jail till he sobers up. Oh, Leroy's the same, drunk or sober. It makes no difference.
9: Then maybe he should go to another kind of institution. You sure you
10: want to make a formal complaint? What's going on here? Is this Leroy the son of the mayor or the nephew of the governor or something? What kind of a conspiracy is this? Your, your, your boy Leroy could have killed me and my wife. And yes, I do want to make a formal complaint. That's what I thought I was doing. Look at it this way. You're, you're just passing through town. Chances are you won't be back this way for months, years, maybe never. But me, I got to live here with Leroy and all the other Leroys in town. We get quite a few of them. They're just big kids. They don't really mean no harm, but they get restless. There, there ain't enough to do in this burg, only one movie show. The TV don't come through good. That leaves the bars. Uh, so they get their kicks on 66, scaring the pants off of tourists as they pass through. Sounds kind of silly when you put it that way, but that's about the size of it. Tell you what I'll do. I'll have a talk with Leroy next time I see him. Mm -hmm. Well, I want you to put him behind bars now. Tonight, before he kills someone. Gee, mister, I sure would like to oblige you, but I wouldn't know where to begin looking for him at this hour of night. With the weather kicking up a blizzard, why, I just wouldn't know where to begin. That's a fact. (laughs) your privacy, hon, but haven't you already filed the nails on that hand?
9: Huh? Oh, yes. Charlie, I'm so nervous I don't know what I'm doing. And I keep hearing noises outside. Ah, your
10: imagination's playing tricks. Mm, I suppose so.
9: But just a minute ago I thought I heard them again. Oh, Charlie, I know it's silly, but would you please check the car again for me? Oh, come on, Flo. Please. And Then I promise I'll get ready for bed. Oh. What is it?
10: Somebody let the air out of the back tire.
9: Leroy.
10: Come on, come on, answer the phone.
9: Hurry, Charlie, hurry.
10: Well, they don't answer. Ah, no wonder. What? That's this card here. It says... The motel switchboard is closed after ten p.m.
9: Oh, but we've got to get air in those tires.
10: Well, we couldn't wait till morning.
9: No, Charlie, I will not stay in this place a minute longer with that crazy man out there, beeping his horn at us, and I don't know what all. Next thing, he'll murder us in our beds.
10: And well, I can't get
9: anybody to answer the phone. Oh, well, we'll just have to wake up the manager. I'm going to like it. I couldn't care less. <laughs> I can do for you, Mac. I'm all
10: alone here. But can't you come out and... i uh, uh, call up in
1: the morning. Uh, somebody will take care of you then. Same thing?
10: Same thing.
1: I could have told you. Nobody's coming out
8: in this weather to fix a time.
10: How do you get the police? <laughs>
8: well, they ain't coming out either. Number,
10: please. Now, operator, will you give me the police?
8: Look, you folks are keeping me up. Well,
10: I'm sorry. This will only take a minute. Red Mountain, full east. Uh, listen, did you pick up Leroy? Oh, it's you. Yeah, it's me. You got Leroy in jail? No, I ain't run into him. I didn't think so. Well, he's just let the air out of my tires.
9: Sure was him. See him do it.
10: Of course I didn't see him do it. But my rear tires are flat. And what's more, I can't get anybody to come out here and pump them up for me. Sorry, that ain't a police matter. You can get somebody
11: in the morning, no doubt.
10: Well, I don't want to wait till morning. I don't want to spend another minute in your crummy town. I want to get out of here right now.
11: Then you're going to have to pump up your tires
10: yourself. It's a good idea. I just might do that. That's about all I could suggest. And uh, don't you fret. I'll speak to Leroy as soon as I see him. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Come on, Flo. Let's get out of here. Hey, just a minute. Uh, you owe me for those phone calls. Yeah, Here. Keep the change by a trip to the moon.
9: How's it going, honey?
10: Uh, The last one's nearly up. Is the car
9: packed? Everything's ready to go. Oh, listen, that's him his horn. Hurry, Charlie. Oh, no, no. no. Don't, don't let's panic. So,
10: what can he do?
9: No, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, what's he done, really? Charlie, just don't try to reason with me. Get that tire pumped up and take me away from here. Oh, please. Please, Charlie, please. Please.
11: What's the idea of parking out in front of the police station, blowing that horn?
10: You're giving this town a bad name, scaring them
11: tourists. (laughs) They they
10: wanted me to arrest you. Oh, you wouldn't do that to an old friend. I didn't want to, but then you had to go and let the air out of their
11: tires.
10: (laughs) You know, I do the darndest thing sometimes. No, no, you're going home. I'll lock you up for being ornery.
9: You better do that, Pete, because I never make it. You know, I, 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 I can't see to drive home. <laughs> All
10: right, climb out then. I'll give you a cell to sleep it off in.
11: Yeah.
10: I <laughs> said, knock off that horn. <laughs> oh, but it sounds so pretty. Ah,
9: uh, Pete, <laughs> you know
10: you're you're a real pal, just a real pal, putting up a pal for the night. <laughs> in the jailhouse. See that sign, hon?
9: City limits, Red Mountain. Come back soon. Hmm, sure we will. <laughs> oh, Charlie, I never was so glad to get out of any place in my whole life.
10: Well, I didn't exactly enjoy it too much myself on the radio, huh? It's funny how a little thing like that can work on you and grow and grow to... The, on the edge of panic, you know? Oh, those
9: snowflakes are so big. They come straight at you. I mean, what a duck, because they seem to be coming through the windshield.
10: The best driving conditions, I can tell you that. Can't be much better than 20.
9: Oh, I don't care if you have to crawl. We're getting further away from that dreadful town every minute.
10: That's all I need. What? Some idiot behind me with his high beam on. Only one headlight.
9: It's murder. Charlie, you don't suppose... Charlie, it's Leroy. He's overtaken us fast. You can't let him pass... You can't let him box us out here in this blizzard. I
10: can't drive much
9: faster. You've got to, Charlie. Charlie, you've got to. But I can't see. The snow is just a white wall. Faster, Charlie. Charlie, he's gaining on us. Yeah, but that one
10: headlight's in the mirror. It's blinding me, Flo. He's
9: gaining on us, Charlie. Faster, faster. Flo, I can't see. I can't see a thing. <laughs>
11: Janican Motel. This is Pete over
10: at the police station. Uh, uh, You woke me up. Uh, I'm sorry, Sam. That Terrence that was beefing about Leroy, Mm -hmm. he's still there? I wouldn't know. I was trying to get some sleep.
11: Yeah, well, well, if you see him, tell him I picked up Leroy. Tell him Leroy's sleep
0: been listening to Snow on 66, written especially for Suspense by William N. Robeson, and starring Grayson Hall and Jimmy Blaine.
8: Have a nice trip. Don't forget
0: your phone. Planning your vacation or a weekend trip? Well, long distance can be a big help. You decide where you want to go, then
10: just pick up your phone and call ahead for reservations. Make sure of a good place to stay. And while you're away, it's so easy to keep in touch with home by telephone. Well, have a good trip, and don't forget to phone.
0: Suspense is produced and directed by Fred Hendrickson. Music supervision by Ethel Huber. Heard in tonight's story were Gwen Davis, James Dimitri, Bill Mason, and Sam Raskin
10: sound patterns by Walter Otto. This is Stuart Metz speaking. Listen again next week when we return with The Next Murder, written by Joseph Corcoran. Another tale well calculated to keep you in... ...suspense.